Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are glad you are with us. A beautiful day here in the Mile High City. Just a reminder now, if you miss our live show on Saturdays, which of course is 1 to 2, you can catch us twice on Sundays, and that is from 8 to 9 a.m. and once again in the evening, 7 to 8 p.m. We will replay that previous Saturday show. So hopefully one of those times will work out for you. It is always a pleasure to have my good friend Sergio Alcazar in studio with us from ALC Global Adventure. Sergio? Good to see you, sir. Good to see you as always. Beautiful day, as you said, and uh, looking forward for today's show. We Man, I am too. Guest. And I, I, if, if our guests could see me, I will stand up and bow now. You know, I mean, it is a, <laughs> a pleasure to have Mr. Craig Boddington on with us. And uh, you know, back in 2012 when I started the show, I was thinking about oh, who would I get on. And I'm telling you, this is a name I never thought I would say. Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Mr. Craig Boddington. How are you, sir? I'm good, and thank you, Scott. And Sergio, Sergio's a good friend, and hey, it's good to be with you guys. Yeah, Sergio and I, we just finished up a hog hunt about a month ago down in Texas and had a great time and uh, shot a bunch of hogs. And uh, Sergio made a, how, remind me, Sergio. 570 or something? 573-yard shot wow. <laughs> on about a 60-pound pig. And, I mean, <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, so we had a great time. Lucky that shot. Fantastic. Sergio, what were you using for a shot like that? I was using my uh, uh, Browning uh, bolt action, 7mm Remington Magnum. Uh, I bought it about, tw actually, 20 years ago. My grandpa gave it to me, uh, bought it for me, and I have a 20-year-old Redfield scope in there, 3x9, just a simple scope, but, you know, lucky shot. But I also, obviously, I know my gun well, and uh, that's what I've been using that gun forever for 20 years. That's the only rifle I own, believe it or not. Oh, wow. What a wonderful shot. Yeah, it well was done. awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> of course, we're all like, you hit it. And he looked at us like, well, what did you expect? <laughs> yeah, when you make a shot like that, that's yeah. what you have to do. You just yeah. keep your mouth shut and look around like, oh, yeah, I could do this. All that's day right. That's absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Well, while you need no introduction, and wow, I'm sure um, the Wikipedia and the Internet is probably not even quite up to date, but just a few things I wanted to mention here. First of all, thank you for your service as you served in the Gulf War in Kuwait and looks like uh, retired from the United States Marine Corps Reserves in 2005. Uh, joined Peterson Publishing Company in 1979 and has written over 4,000 published magazine articles, authored over 25 books on hunting and shooting, has been published in England, Australia, Scotland, Canada, Germany, Spain, and the U.S., and many awards. Um, you have won, and won, um, man, it's just really good, is that Weatherby 2017 Award, so congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of the big one. That's, that's a, a good end-of-career award. Yes, sir. Hey, you're you're probably just getting started, man. It's not the end. Yeah. And um, so let's just take a minute. We were kind of talking about this uh, right before we started taping, but let's just kind of visit just a second, guys, about, man, where we are in our country. You know, I mean, there's a million areas we could go with that, but looking at our hunting, our shooting, guns, owning guns, all that, Mr. Boddington, uh, any thoughts there? 
Well, I, I mean, obviously, we've we've got some serious battles ahead of us. So we've we've had a lot of battles in the past, but uh, but uh, it's uh, it's kind of heating up. And uh, uh, obviously, the the foundation for everything is is our Second Amendment because. Uh, if if we don't uh, if we can't keep our guns then we're not going to be going hunting and and uh, so you, you know and and I mean this is not about this is not about politics this is really about sure about our way of life right and uh, I I have concerns yeah absolutely yeah I mean it's definitely going to be a challenging year and a lot of uh, politics going on but we definitely have to pray for this country and protect that Second Amendment. Well, and I, I mean, honestly, uh, I, I do believe the republic will survive, but the Second Amendment is, is really, really important, and uh, we, uh, we, we've got to be strong on that. Sure, absolutely. All right, so let's, uh, man, when you talk about writing, first of all, um, that is truly a, a God-given skill. Um, how did you get, let's just kind of reflect back and how you got started all in the hunting industry, riding industry. How did all that come about? Well, I, I, always, I, I always wanted to write, but when I was a kid, I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to, to write about. Uh, Dad was mostly a bird hunter, not a big game hunter, but I was mainly because in Kansas, we didn't even have any deer when I grew up. But uh, I, I was always interested and, and actually fascinated and uh I started, uh, gosh, I was in high school when I, when I started uh, trying to write outdoor stories and sending them off to magazines. Now, I've, I've got a lot of friends, you know, colleagues, colleagues, peers, uh, other writers who will absolutely look you straight in the eye and insist that they sold the first story they ever wrote and never looked back. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've kind of got to call horse pucky on that. Maybe they're just better than I am, but I built up a whole boxcar full of rejection notices before I sold my first story. Sure. But over time, it got better, and uh, in 1979, I was really just off uh, my first go-round of active duty with the Marines, and Bob Peterson at Peterson Publishing took a chance on me and offered me a job, and actually, I've kind of been with those magazines ever since. Uh, Pete's long gone, and, and the company sold several times, but still the same magazines that I started with uh, clear back in 79, kind of a long time ago now. Wow, that's amazing. Again, if you're just joining us, Craig Boddington is our guest, and it is a uh, super pleasure personally and professionally to have Mr. Boddington with us. Again, Sergio, thank you for setting this up. Absolutely, and I, was, I think I mentioned this to you, Craig, when I uh, hunted with you in Mexico, uh, that I started reading your articles uh, when I was a little kid, you know, uh, in, the, in the early 70s. Well, that's uh, it, depressing, Sergio. It's sort of say, 1870 or 1970? 1919. <laughs> 1919. Oh, <no. laughs> but I, I would buy, you know, the Peterson's Hunting Magazine uh, at, at a store in, in Mexico City, and I would read your articles and along with the other articles there. But I was fascinated with your writing, and I would actually have a dictionary next to me, and I would almost have to every other word, you know, so, so it was English, right? And then I was in Mexico, so I was just starting to learn English, and yeah, it really helped me a lot, and uh, I learned a lot from your articles, and, you know, that really helped my English as well. Well, Sergio, it, it must have it must have helped a lot, because your English is better than mine today. <laughs> I wish I could say that. <laughs> so, Mr. Bodden, when you get, get into, uh, you know, the hunting of it, I mean, how did you start out? Just, just your, your local kid is uh, deer hunting and things like that, and then it just 
grew into all the well, other things? I, we were we were quail and pheasant hunters, really, because uh, we because we didn't uh, in Kansas we didn't have a deer season until I was a teenager. Right, uh, deer were declared extinct in the state of Kansas in about 1925. And there weren't any at all until after World War II. So we didn't have a deer season when I grew up, but, but I was fascinated. Uh, Dad was mostly a shotgunner, but uh, uh, when I was uh, uh, an early teenager, we started going to Wyoming for uh, antelope and mule deer. And, you know, it's, that's kind of a funny thing because so many people in the U.S. kind of grow up with, with good hunting close to home. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, I didn't, so uh, we started having to travel. We went to Wyoming, we went to Colorado, and a couple other places when I was very young. And uh, hang on, just a sec, dog. Oh, that's uh, all right. We love dogs. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we started traveling when I was a kid, and you know, it kind of got in the habit, and and uh, never got over it. So I I started uh, going different places, and uh, uh, of course, you know. That didn't start right away, but uh, uh, after I after I got uh, full time with uh, Peterson Publishing, then uh, that was to some extent it was part of the job, or at least that's what I claimed. That was my story, and I stuck to it. <laughs> so I've been lucky. I've been able to do a lot of what we all love to do, and in a lot of different places. Wow. So what's been among your favorite? I mean, if you had to say, wow, when I just think of all that I've, I'll reflect back on this one particular hunt has there been one no uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know i'm i'm asked that a lot and I, the the my standard answer and it, because it's really true is is the best hunt is either the last one or the next one Absolutely. Uh, they're all wonderful yes sir. some are uh, a little more exciting than others uh, but but there it's it's all wonderful and uh last year sergio and i hunted down in tamalipas uh and uh, like I said, I grew up with quail hunting, and, and I didn't know that there was a place on earth that had as many wild bobwhites remaining as what we saw in Tamalipas, Sergio. It was, it was fantastic. I mean, that was a memorable hunt. And uh, we got in a couple of days of really awesome duck shooting, too, but, but I will never forget uh, that quail hunt because that's what I grew up with. But we're in Kansas and really in so many places today, the bobwhite quail, are, they're just gone today. There's a few, but, but nothing like what I grew up with. And so it was, boy, it was a wonderful thing for me to see that there was a place where the bobwhites have, have been able to persist and do so well. Yes, Tamaulipas is a wonderful place, and I really enjoy the hunt with you, and definitely we have to go back again. Uh, Las Palmas treated us really well, and... Uh, the wild, the wild quail population, I mean, we were flushing, what is it, 12, 14 coveys in a couple of hours in the afternoon, remember? <laughs> we were. I mean, wow. every, every 100 yards we were into a new covey. That's not true, but certainly every 200 yards we were into a new covey. I, I just had no idea there was any place that had a population like that. They're completely wild birds, no, no planning, no augmentation, uh, just some good management and obviously ideal conditions for them. How are our friends doing down there? Are they doing okay? They're doing wonderful, yes. In fact, the other day they wanted me to say hello to you. I told them about the wonderful uh, convention that you put together. Um, as you said, you know, when, when life li- gives you uh, lemons, you make lemonade, and you did certainly <laughs> because uh, the conventions were canceled, and as uh, 
you have that wonderful uh, endorsed outfitters program that you can talk about. And uh, I attended a couple of the events, and really that uh, virtual convention mm-hmm. helped a lot of the outfitters that Craig Boddington represents. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, so I, I hope it did. Yeah, tell us about Sergio, that. Sergio, as you know, uh, everybody's been hurt by this pandemic, but the, but anything travel-related in any way has probably been hurt mm-hmm. worse than most businesses. And, and we've got a lot of outfitter friends who are in serious trouble. Sure. No, absolutely. I mean, it has... Um you know, been devastating to a lot of um, guys that we uh, hunt over with in South Africa, Bushman's Quiver, Quality African Safaris. We've been over there three or four times. And, boy, when you've, you know, you've got the deposits in, you've got people booked, uh, everybody's set aside the travel schedule and all that, and then, boy, you can't go. It just is devastating for everybody. Plus, you can't get to go well, hunt. And they, yeah, their their entire country was closed down, and and it's not over. I mean, South Africa is open now, but but Canada is not. Right. And so we've got this wonderful other other half of North America to the north of us, and uh, uh, we can't go there. And there's sure. a lot of great hunting and fishing uh, up there, uh, and uh, you know they they do game management exactly the same as we do but uh uh, we don't even know when Canada is going to reopen. I know. No, you're 100% right. Once again, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Sportsman of Colorado. My name is Scott Watley, Sergio Alcazar, a good friend of mine, uh, for a number of years now, is in studio with us, ALC Global Adventures, and it is our very, very, very good privilege to have Mr. Craig Boddington with us here a few minutes today. So let's let's kind of talk about this neat this program that you've developed to kind of uh, your approved outfitters and kind of how that came about and what that means to us as a client if we go on and book with one of your approved outfitters. Well, you'll find it on, on my website at uh, craigboddington.com, uh, the outfitters page. And uh, these are, we, we do not arrange hunts. Uh, Sergio does does that, uh, uh, but Sergio is, is one of our members. These are these are all folks that I've hunted with and, and folks that I know and trust. And for years and years and years, these are the folks that I've been recommending to my friends. You know, they say, well, where should I go for this or where should I go for that? And I say, well, why don't you call so-and-so? And uh, so uh, a friend of mine in Montana, uh, Conrad Everts, and I got together, and we decided that, well, why don't we kind of just make a group and, and – uh, we call it Craig Boddington Endorsed Outfitters, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. These guys are all people that uh, that I trust and send my friends to. Well, that's a great deal. And Serge and I, we talk about all this all the time because um, I'm sure, like you said, if, if you've been hunting any length of time, you've been somewhere that wasn't quite what it was represented. <laughs> and we try to keep people from those and, uh, uh, you know, and, and letting everybody, you know, know about places that we've been to, just like you said. I mean, we've hunted with them. We've slept in the bed, so to speak. We ate their food and uh, hunted with their guides. And that's that's the kind of endorsements that, that we love. And I know for you to put your name on it, uh, we can – Put a, put a good stamp on that, that's going to be a good experience for us. Well, and, you know, I mean, obviously word of mouth is is the very, very best advertisement in, in almost any business. But now the truth is nobody knows all the good guys, and there's a, a lot of great outfitters. Sure. So, you know, if you're planning a trip, you, you need to look around. And, and the other thing is, you know, what Sergio thinks is perfect and what I think is perfect may not be exactly what you think is perfect. So 
you know, you've got to you got to be smart about this business. You've got to you got to really know what you want. You've got to know what you expect. You've got to know what you're looking for, and and you've got to do your homework. You've got to ask the right questions and and make sure that you're getting the answers to the questions that are are important with you. I mean, you know, I personally, although Las Palmas was kind of special. But I could care less about about a really nice lodge or accommodations. I'm perfectly okay uh, in a leaky tent in the rain. Sure. But not everybody is. No, so right. you, you have to know what your expectations are. No, that, that's a very, very good point. And, uh, and hi, we highly recommend everyone to go. And, of course, here in Colorado, DORA, the Department of Regulatory Agency, oversees outfitters. You can check with them as well. And if you've got somebody you're looking at, hey, give us a call. If Sergio and I... Do not know them does not mean that they are not a good company, because uh, just Mr. Biden just said, uh, boy, a lot of great ones out there. But we'll just try to help you make sure that you're going to um, have a good experience. And, you know, Sergio, I just had a guy write me the day uh, this, uh, this last four season elk hunt. Well, I went and I didn't get a shot. Well, you know what? You know, unless you're going on a high fence hunt or <laughs> the elk's in the backyard, that's called hunting, not shooting. It, yeah. it is. Yeah. That, that happens, even in the best of families. Sure. In the best places, there there are no guarantees. You know, all an outfitter can really do is is have an area where the game you're looking for is, is there. Uh, the outfitter can control the accommodations. He can control the food. He can control the logistics. Uh, he can show you a good time. But he can't guarantee the weather, and the weather is what's going to be the make or break in a, a lot of situations. But he, the, no outfitter can control the weather, and no outfitter can control game movement. Uh, you can have normal trends, but, I mean, you know, how many times have we all heard, gee, I, I wish you'd been here last week. <laughs> yeah, that's or, right. <laughs> Golly, are you sure yeah. you can't stay just a couple more days? I know. And mm-hmm. sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm also looking forward uh, for our hunt coming up uh, in the jungle of Mexico uh, in another month or so. Wow. Yes. Tell us about that, Sergio. Well, I mean, we're going to be going down to uh, the Yucatan Peninsula, and uh, we will be hunting uh, in the state of Campeche, Mexico. And uh, basically, uh, for me, it's the first time I go to, to, the, to the jungle, to that part, so I'm excited. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, good <laughs> Fun. That's yeah. great. Wow. That is correct. Yeah, and you have been there several times. If you want to talk a little bit about that, well, I, I have. the The Yucatan Peninsula is the the uh, uh, the bottom end of Mexico, and it's uh, it's probably the most unique habitat in North America. It's it's a genuine tropical jungle. It's it's altogether different. the uh, The wildlife is different. The birds are different. It's uh, it's just a whole different deal from anything else in North America. It is beautiful. Uh, it's different. Uh, it's tough. There's nothing easy about it, but it's absolutely magnificent. And there's some really cool animals in that jungle that you just don't find anywhere else. What, what we'll be looking for is the little brocket deer. And uh, a lot of people don't even know about it. It's, uh, uh, oh, about the size of a, of a whitetail fawn, if you will. They're they're uh, about 40 pounds at, at full growth and have just very short spikes for antlers. So it's, it's not a terribly impressive animal, but it is a unique North American deer. And uh, I've, I've hunted them before. There's really two. There's the gray-brown and, 
and they're very, very difficult to get. Uh, the one I'm looking for is the red brocket. I think I've tried three times, haven't seen one yet. Uh, but there must be ten gray-browns for every one red, and, and the gray-browns are plenty tough enough. So, wow. you know, I don't have any huge expectation, but, Sergio, we're going to give this a try. Absolutely. Uh, Mario is a great guy. You're going to enjoy his company. He's looking forward to having us, and his success ratio has been, you know, definitely above average for, for these very difficult deer. And, and I have to correct myself. I have been to, to the Yucatan Peninsula, actually, and uh, I harvested the whitetail of Yucatan. But I haven't oh, been, a speci- cool. but specifically, I haven't been with, with Mario in that location we're going. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, cool. That'll be wonderful fun. And, you know, it's, it, it is different. You're going to see howler monkeys up in the trees above you and the, the there's a tropical birds. It's, uh, and, of course, the, the big business down there is the oscillated turkey. And that's, mm. that's really the primary quarry for a lot of hunters. The oscillated turkey is a gorgeous thing. They really look kind of with blue feathering. They really look a little more like a peacock than, than uh, our turkeys up here. But, I mean, that's the primary game down there. But, uh, but for me, the little brocket deer is, is fascinating. I think of them as probably the most difficult thing to hunt on the North American continent. And uh, like I say, I've, I've been beat on them before, so <laughs> but I always go into a hunt saying, hey, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're going to give it our best, that's for sure. For sure. Um, it seems like a lot of things have cha- switched over a lot of long-range shooting now. It seems like you see a lot of guys wanting to shoot, you know, 1,000, 1,200 yards, all this stuff. Um, we all grew up, you know, probably shooting less than 300 for the most part. Uh, any thoughts you have on kind of way the industry's going a little bit with these long-range rifles? Well, yeah, it, it, uh, both good and bad. Uh, we've got more, more accurate rifles right now than, than we ever have. Uh, uh, certainly the capability is there, and, and, you know, inexpensive over-the-counter bolt actions are really, on average, uh, uh, have the kind of accuracy that was very exceptional when I was a kid, and, and a huge development too. Is we've got so much better optics than we used to. We've got yeah, well, hey. fantastic scopes and the very, very precise dial-up reticles. So we really do have capability that was virtually out of reach when I was a kid. Now, you know, I love to ring steel at long range, and and I always set my hunting right. You know, if I'm going sheep hunting or elk hunting or something where a longer shot might be required. I, I set my rifles up so I can absolutely shoot to six or 700 yards, but sure. uh, I don't shoot at game at that distance. Uh, have I? Sure. But, but that's not something I seek. Uh, uh, for me, when you get way out there, the chances of, of wounding an animal are, are just too great. And, you know, you can, you can have... The correct data on the rifle, you can have everything right, but very, very difficult to be absolutely certain of the wind. And while you can judge the wind where you are, uh, (laughs) the wind can be altogether different where the animal is, and the wind can be different between you and the animal. So uh, I won't say exactly what my limit is. I kind of have a limit. Uh, But let me just say when I was a kid, and we didn't have range finders. I mean, today we have perfect knowledge of range. So yeah. when I was a kid, 400 yards was a darn long shot. Yeah, no and kidding. 
it's still a far poke, uh, but with the equipment we have today, you know, provided the wind is, is reasonable, uh, 400 yard shooting and maybe a little bit beyond that is, is well, well within capability, but I'm, I'm not one of these guys that shoots at game at seven, eight, nine hundred yards. I just, I just don't do it. Right, right. Do you have a fa- favorite? Uh, Sergio says his is seven millimeter. There, you got a favorite rifle of yours uh, that you use quite a bit. Well, it it, it depends altogether on on what I'm doing. Uh, for the for mountain hunting, I, I generally use a, a, a either a three hundred Weatherby or a three hundred Winchester Magnum. Uh, both are cartridges I've used for a long time, and I'm I'm familiar with. Uh, I think we have better cartridges today with with more modern case designs, but uh, I kind of stick with what I'm used to. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's that's the best way to do it, isn't it, Sergio? That's right. Yes, absolutely. And uh, are you working on uh, any new books right now, Craig? I, I kind of am. I, in fact, I finished. Uh, Finished the first draft last week. Uh, this will be my 30th book, and uh, was kind of on a book break. But we had no convention season this year, and so a few months ago, I, you know, you, we could all see that coming. So sure. a few months ago, I got to thinking, gee, I really ought to have a new book for the 2022 convention season. So I got to work, and I've been working really hard. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever worked as hard as I have the last couple of months. But it's, this is kind of a fun book because it's uh, just real simple. It's uh, favorite rifles and cartridges. And in other books, I've, I've kind of talked generally, but I haven't really spent a lot of time talking about exactly what I like the most. And, you know, that's, as you just did, that's a question I get asked so frequently. Well, what's your real favorite? And I haven't really put that into a book, into a book. so this time I have. And... Uh, I don't think it'll be my last book, but I'm probably running out of books. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> so, um, Mr. Boggs, how do we keep um, – boy, I'm, I'm so just afraid that if looking at the hunting licenses, the way they're going uh, for the youth. Uh, so my question is, how do we keep our youth involved in the outdoors, you know, and hunting and shooting and all of that? How do we do that? You know, that that really is a tough one, but the the, the only real answer is we got to get them to the field. And, uh, uh, you know, we do have one good thing going on. It's the only bright spot that I can think of, really. And we got we to gotta keep the ladies out there, too. That's, mm-hmm. that's the fastest-growing part of the shooting sports, both shooting and hunting, is, is the uh, the growth in women hunters and, yes. and women shooters, and that's a that's a real plus. So yeah, obviously we have to take our kids hunting. But the truth is, uh, with our increasingly urban society, a lot of kids are going to be hard to reach, and and opportunity is is one of the biggest problems. But uh, uh, I think it's it's a wonderful thing that so many women are becoming attracted to shooting and and to hunting, and they are. A fast-growing segment, and uh, uh, I think this is a really good thing, and I think that's probably our salvation. 
Yes, sir. I No, I fully agree with you. We've got a couple of great guys in archery here. In archery, they have just seen a uh, overwhelming growth uh, in female shooters as well. And, um, and I tell you what, it always seems like they can shoot pretty well, too, whether it's with a bow or whether it's with a rifle. And I think I think it's maybe because they listen a little bit more than we do as men, but uh, I have found most of them to be very, very good at what they're doing. Absolutely. And, you know, they don't uh... – they don't grow up with this macho image. Uh, women do listen. They pay attention, and uh, they really want to do things right. And, uh, you know, guys, I mean, the truth is women shoot better than men. Absolutely. Yes, sir. And I know for me, my hunting buddy is my daughter. I mean, she's 18-year-old. Uh, her name is Chloe, and both of your daughters are very involved in the hunting industry. In fact, my daughter actually follows them on in, uh, Instagram. And, oh, good. And, you know, <laughs> and I know that your, your daughter, uh, Brittany, puts uh, something very interesting, right, every year in Texas? For yeah, she's doing uh, about four sessions now. It's called She Hunts, and uh, she's got a website out there. But uh, she puts on adventure skills camps for women and, and uh She's doing about four of them a year, and, and uh, they bring together really women of, of all ages and experience levels and uh, teach them outdoor skills, not, not just shooting, but, but everything from uh, field dressing to game cooking to first aid to uh, 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 rifle shooting. And, and uh, uh, it's a tremendously action-packed week-long curriculum. She's done it for... Uh, Oh, several years now, so it has quite a few alumni out there, and, and it's really a lot of fun. My wife Donna and I both go to most of the sessions and teach a few of the classes, and uh, it's fantastic. Wow, that's very cool. We'll have to tell what, Sergio, you tell Chloe to come in here, and we will uh, call his daughter, and we'll let Chloe interview her about She Hunts. How's that? Absolutely. <laughs> that would be a very good program, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Boddington, I'm telling you, this has uh, been a real pl- uh, pleasure for us. We certainly want to respect your time and all. But any any closing thoughts on anything you have for the sportsmen out there? No. Uh, 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 this is going to be an interesting year. But, no uh, doubt. The vaccine's getting out there, so I think we're going to have uh, a lot better year ahead of us than we did this past. Uh, it's going to take a little while, but, uh, but I'm positive and I'm hopeful and uh, – I can't wait to get back in the field. Well, hey, I'm, I know you and Sergio are going to have a great time, and uh, hopefully uh, I'll be able to have the privilege of crossing your path one day as well and get to meet you in person. But we certainly appreciate you being with us here on Sportsman of Colorado Radio. My pleasure, and thanks for having me, Scott. All right. That's Mr. Craig Boddington. Check out the website, craigboddington.com. And, hey, if you're looking for some great outfitters, uh, you can check out craigboddington.com and look at his approved outfitters and check with Sergio as well at ALC Global Adventures. So, Sergio, thank you again for setting this up, sir. Thank you. It was a pleasure as always. And thank you so much, Craig. It was a pleasure. And uh, we'll see you soon in Mexico. Look forward to it, buddy. Thanks, Emil. Thank you. You're listening to Sportsman Colorado. we got to take a short break, and we'll be back with more right after this. The Outdoorsman's Attic is Colorado's very own outdoor gear consignment store. From live bait to goose decoys, from sleeping bags to Sitka gear, you'll find it all at the Outdoorsman's Attic. 
They offer a great selection of new and pre-owned hunting, fishing, and camping items, and you'll save 20 to 60% off retail. And if your firearm needs cleaning or some work, see Scott the Gunsmith at the Outdoorsman's Attic. And if you've got some gear you want to turn into cash, head over to the Outdoorsman's Attic, located at 2650 West Hampton in Sheridan. Let them know you heard about them here on KLZ 560. KLZ's personal injury attorney, Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law, has a unique background that makes him a more effective advocate for you. He handles both criminal and civil cases. Most attorneys only do one or the other, but Kevin has almost 25 years of experience on both sides, which means he has more practice in the courtroom. Most personal injury attorneys will say they have experience in court. But since only about 10% of personal injury cases actually go to trial, those attorneys only appear in court once or twice a year. Because Kevin also takes criminal cases, he appears in court constantly. Kevin has a rare ability to present an argument that only comes from years of experience learning how to read a courtroom. KLZ's personal injury attorney continues to practice both civil and criminal defense because he believes the courtroom keeps him nimble. Trial tested, trial ready. Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law. Schedule a free consultation now at 303-806-8886. Hi, this is Scott Watley for my friends at Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. And not just my friends, but truly the staff at Lone Tree feels like part of our family. Since 2002, they have provided the very best care for our pets. What we love about Lone Tree Vet is the services they provide covers all of our needs from preventative care, dentistry, pain management, cardiology, dermatology, and eye care, as well as emergency and critical care. They also offer veterinary surgery and orthopedic care. And when you need to get away, they have a fantastic boarding lodge and a cat boarding lodge that is amazing. If your pet gets to go along, they can even assist you with your travel health certificates. And when your dog needs a little extra instruction, check out the K9 Academy. They helped us so much when we got a new puppy last year. And then, of course, there is a spectacular grooming salon that you and your pet will love. All of this and more at Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. Oh, and check out the blogs to help you become a better parent at LoneTreeVet.com. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, they believe that all pets deserve to have a good life. Call 303-708-8050. That's 303-708-8050. It's just one stop and all the care you need. Hi, Jack Corgan for Len Lyle Chevrolet. Len Lyle Chevrolet is open and safe. It's truck month, and they have the best deals of the year on all trucks and SUVs, like up to 10000 off on half-ton Silverados. Or come check out the all-new Tahoes and Suburbans for 2021. Len Lyle has been there for 35 years, and low overhead really does mean low prices. Check them out on the web, lenlylechevy.com. Go east and pay the least. Chevy. Find new roads. This is Scott Watley for my friends at Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is proud to announce their new 10,000 square foot facility is now open in Berthard, Colorado, located at 504 North 2nd Street. With this expansion, Phoenix Weaponry offers a new retail area and expanded gunsmithing in Duracoat and Cerakote areas. Family-owned and operated, Phoenix Weaponry offers the finest in competition, hunting, and long-range precision firearms. Also, suppressors from 22 long rifle to 50 caliber for rifles, pistols, and shotguns. 
Phoenix Weaponry also offers gunsmithing services and restoration repairs from antique to modern firearms. Building your firearm dreams into reality. That's Phoenix Weaponry. Call them now, 720-340-2496, or visit them at phoenixweaponry.com. We don't normally think about our garage door until it's too late. A spring breaks, and right when you're running late for that very important appointment, you jump in the car, push the remote, your door doesn't open. Don't let that happen. Call Marianne at Affordable Door Company today and schedule your garage door inspection. At Affordable Doors, they are able to offer same-day service in the Denver metro area as well as free estimates. With over 30 years of experience and with over 26,000 satisfied customers, you can be assured of a pleasant experience when you deal with Affordable Door Company. Call Marianne now at 303-680-8440. That's 303-680-8440. And to see a complete list of services, visit garagedoorproblems.com. Is your vision stopping you from enjoying your outdoor activities? Hi, this is Scott Watley for Stack Optical. Get by Stack Optical today and check out the Stack Sports Pack. One great frame where you can easily interchange the lenses to the tent you need for golf, bike riding, shooting, fishing, and yes, even driving. Stack Optical, family owned and operated. They're fully staffed and ready to help you with all of your optical needs. From eye exams, glasses, contacts, and yes, even repairs. And rest assured, Stack Optical has taken every precaution to ensure your safety and that you have a clean environment. 2233 South Monaco Parkway. 303-321-1578. Call them now. 303-321-1578. StackOptical.com. And remember, at Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Well, we are glad to have a new guest with us today and a, a name that I came familiar with a couple of years ago, but just now got into getting some of their product, and that is Maven Outdoors. And we've got one of the owners with us today, Brandon Weaver. So, Brandon, thank you for being with us on Sportsman of Colorado. Thanks for having me, Scott. All right. Um, we were just kind of talking here before we uh, started the show today, and, boy, you guys picked a competitive field to jump in. So let's kind of go back to the beginning of, uh, and kind of tell the story of Maven and how it came about. Okay. Um, yeah, the, there's myself, uh, two partners, um, started it about seven years ago. We had been involved with another company in the in the optics world before that and then had um, done a little bit of other outdoor product work, um, ended up coming back to optics because of a, a really great relationship that we had with a company out of Japan who was, who was doing some work for us um, at our previous brand and had the opportunity to work with them again, um, had this idea of, of having a direct consumer optics company. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, it hadn't been done. Um, and the, the, the thing that we really wanted to try and do was make it different, not only that it was direct to consumer, but that um, we did something different for our customers and allowed them to do some customization, which is a, it's a, it's a difficult thing manufacturing-wise because you're just doing one at a time. Um, so uh, it's, there's not a lot of people that would agree to work that way. And so it's, you know, the, the 
the thing that allowed us to do this was the relationship that we have with a very, very good, high-quality uh, manufacturer out of Japan. So, I mean, the story about how we came together is a long one. That's kind of a, <laughs> a, a brief intro. But, um, yeah, so we've been doing that now for, for a little over seven years, and things are going well. Wow, absolutely. All right, let's kind of go through your, your product line a little bit. And, um, I mean, you've, of course, got your binoculars, the rifle scopes, uh, all that. So kind of uh, yep. give us a breakdown a little bit of, of what you offer. Okay, so we started just doing primarily binoculars. Um, and as we, as we grow, you know, to be considered a player in the optics industry, you can't just have one binocular. So we identified what the key points are. Um, as far as what consumers are needing. And, and you know, we couldn't go super niche, mm-hmm. um, but we did fill some gaps that we felt were out there. And so we've got several in a line that we call our B-Series, which is our high-end line. And what we try to compete with the best in the world with our B-Series. Um, that's what we started with um, when we first came out of the gates. We had uh, several in that line came out with three different models. Um, we've added to that since then with some larger objective sizes and some higher magnification. Our most recent is a an 18 by 56 that we came out with a little over a year ago. Um, probably three years after we launched the the B series, we we realized that something that we were missing out on is kind of a gateway to get to that price point for a consumer. Right. $1,000 is a lot of money for a binocular for anybody. <laughs> for sure. You know? And so so trying to get somebody to just jump in with a brand they've never heard of or never had any experience with because they can't find us at a, at a store. Um, we decided to launch a, a new uh, kind of a mid-range line, um, still with the benefits of, of the direct-to-consumer model where they're getting more than, than what they typically pay for. We introduced our C-Series. Um, with a very traditional lineup of uh, 42 millimeter to start with. And so we've expanded that lineup as well. But what we wanted to do was give give more of a gateway into our brand um, so somebody could, could, you know, not break the bank or, or hurt their pocketbook quite as much, um, but get a, a Maven experience. And then hopefully that'll lead them to some of our our. Um, our B series, which is in our binoculars, our high end line, and then you know as well as as well as some of our other product lines. Yeah, so I, we've got we've got. Go ahead. No, no, and I I mean I think that was a very wise move on your part because, like you say, if for those maybe just getting into it or just not understanding how important the glass is on a rifle or or binoculars, uh, yeah, that was a great thing to do. Yeah, and it's you know it it seemed like when we started that we were going to stay up there at the high end, but I mean, it just, it, you know, you get online, you read all the forums, and people talk about spending $1,000 on a binocular all day long, like like that's something that everybody can afford, and they just can't. And so we felt it was brought just as much value to do um, something direct um, in that mid-range line, like I mentioned, and down around the $300 range where they're still getting the benefit of not having the retail market there. So that's kind of our binocular assortment. And then through that, we've also... Um, expanded into spotting scopes. Um, we've got a, a large objective, 80 millimeter, and then we introduced last year, or a little over. It's uh, the time's kind of 
gotten away from me, I think kind of has for everybody here <laughs> oh, yeah. in the last year. So, no doubt. Um, a little longer than that, we came out with a smaller objective um, and then also introduced a, a C-series in that line too. So we've got a, a more of a compact uh, spotting scope in the C-series as well. So that kind of rounded out the, the binoculars and we're, we're continuing to expand. Um, we've got some things lined up here for the next year. Um, expanding both our C-Series line and our B-Series line. Um, and then, as you mentioned, we got into rifle scopes because you, you you can't be an optics company without having rifle scopes. It was sure. a little bit, little bit more of a um, product development journey on that side because we didn't have a ton of experience going in. So we spent a lot, a lot of the time over the last couple of years um, developing another relationship in Japan, which is um, if, if, if you're interested and involved and understand the optics world, that's where you can get some of the best glass in the world. So um, connected with a fantastic manufacturer on the rifle scope side and, and started down that road too. So we've got several models now. Um, we'll be introducing another one here probably in the next three months. Um, and at this point we are just, we it's our RS line and it is our high end model. Um, and to, give your listeners, I guess, a little bit of a behind the scenes. We're working on um, what would compare to our C-Series line, which is more of a, a mid-range uh, rifle scope that we'll be able to offer there, too. Oh, wow. Um, and then kind of lastly, we were inter- we introduced, and I, I say that with an asterisk, we, we introduced a range finder this past December that we had hoped to introduce in, for the hunting season, but with the all of the issues around COVID and, and getting mm-hmm. new products developed overseas and ports shut down and imports shut down, it, it slowed it down to almost a halt. And so we introduced it last month with a pretty small inventory, put it up on our website, sold out in half an hour. No, I'm looking at it right Not now as we speak. And man, it's cool looking. And the first words I saw was sold Thanks. out. <laughs> yeah. And that's so, I mean, and, when we first started the company, we would have died to have something sell out. Yeah, you know, yeah, those just, are great words. It means there's yeah. a demand for it. Sure. So it, it's exciting in that regard, but it's it's frustrating to just. I think every every brand in the outdoor industry is kind of experienced, and in a ton of other industries, experience experiencing this with introducing new products is just very very difficult right now, and so. We're, we're slowly getting more inventory, and we get them on the site, and they sell out. But I think here in the next probably two months, that's going to balance out, and we'll we'll start having a lot more of those available. So, you know, along with the optics, we have some accessories. Not an extensive line, but that's that, that kind of covers the bases right now with what we've got going. Right. If you're just joining us again, Brandon Weaver is with us, one of the owners of Maven Outdoors. You can go to Maven Built dot com uh check out their website and a beautiful website by the way does a great job explaining the products and kind of gives you the layout of the land there so uh, let's kind of go through some numbers a little bit i was standing in a cabela's the other day and not knocking big stores but unfortunately i think with all that's going on with them buying you know bass pro buying sportsman's warehouse now all this a guy walked in and goes what do these numbers mean and this guy he looked at me goes he goes dude i don't know I was over in the boots department, and he said, I, I don't even hunt. He said, you know, I, I like to camp. So when we start talking about the different objectives, and, you know, you mentioned earlier, 18 by 56, kind of give just some basic um, 
knowledge to what you those know, numbers it's, mean? That it's such a great question, and, and it's a question that you know we go to a ton of consumer shows because we don't sell at retail, and you would be amazed at how many people who have used optics their entire lives really don't know, and most of them don't want to ask. You know, they're just a little embarrassed about not knowing it. They see the numbers. They kind of know what they mean. And so, the you know, the, the most probably the most common frame size for a binocular that, that people are used to is a 10 by 42. Mm-hmm. And to make it very simple, the first number is the magnification. So it's going to magnify what you're seeing 10 times. And the second number is the diameter of the objective lens. So the lens that's farthest away from you. So if you've got an 8x42, it's an 8 power with a 42-millimeter objective lens. Got an 18x56, you've got a huge objective lens, 56 millimeters, and also a very large uh, magnification at 18. And the way that that works, how that affects you as as a user of an optic is the lower the first number, the larger field of view you'll have. So... If you're using a six-power binocular, what you're looking at out there is magnified six times, but it allows you to see more of the field. Mm-hmm. So the distance from the right to the left is, is much larger when you have lower magnification. Still magnifying that, but, it, but it's, it's, it's a wider field of view than what you get as that goes up. So as you increase that to 8 and to 10 and to 12, what you're looking at moves closer to you and closer to you, but the field of view reduces. Now, it's not consistent across every brand and not even consistent across within one brand what that field of view is because a lot of it is tied up in the, the engineering and the optical system. So, um, But in general, what you're going to see when you look at an 8x42 compared to a 10x42 is you're going to see more of the field, yeah. less magnification. You go to 10, you see... More magnification, less field. Gotcha. No, great. that's a great explanation. And you're 100% right. A lot of guys, well, my buddies have got 10 by 42, so that's what I want, but they have no idea why. <laughs> well, and a lot of people think that it's just the better binocular is a higher magnification. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you're buying an optic to bring things closer to you, but the best performance as far as bringing light in and making it brightest in low light situations is a lower magnification because you're getting more light to your eye. Right. Yeah, that makes great sense. Now, let's talk a little bit about the um, something that you offer. I don't think anybody else does and how you we can really build a build our own binocular so to speak custom. Right. Right. So we've got an app on our site um, at mavenbuilt.com. You just go to the custom builder and all, all of our high-end products, the B-series, the S-series spotting scopes, RS rifle scopes, you have the ability to, to, to do customization on the external side. The internal um, is set, so you're, you're getting a high-end optical system, but what you're able to do is customize the cosmetics of that. Um, on the rifle scopes, you're able to pick between reticles um, and then also do some anodizing on the binoculars, you can um, anodi- change the anodizing color of almost all of the the parts that you can see on there, as well as um, changing um, the, the the rubber armor color, or also having it hydro dipped in some of the uh, various uh, camos that are out there. We offer a, a first light camo, Kuyu camo, uh, Cryptek camo. 
So there's several options that way. But you're right. There's there's nobody who's doing it like that. Yeah. It's a kind of a unique process and something that we're very proud to offer. Sure. No, and that, like I say, they're, they just look so cool. And they're great. I'm telling you, I, you know, thought I had some that I just thought were the greatest until uh, – uh, got a hold of these and a good friend of ours, ours, Phil Mendoza, No Limits Archery, is the first one that told me about you. And then a good a good friend, an outfitter of mine over on the Western Slope, uh, actually was using the binoculars. I said, I got to have some of those. So, man, I love them for sure. Phil has done a great job. It's, you know, Phil's, we're not in stores, but Phil, I met him at the one of the ISC shows, and I believe I met you at one. You did. You did. Well. Yes, sir. Yeah, we, I and remember so, that's that's where I met Phil, and he was just that guy is one of my favorite people in the world. No, he yes. had no interest. I mean, there was no nothing I could do for him because we didn't sell stuff to him. But he actually has a a demo center in his shop right now and shows our stuff off. And he's just a great, great guy. No, he is. I mean, I mean, and boy, just an animal so to speak and i mean that respectfully when he's competing in something <laughs> he does not lose yep, that's, yeah that's true that's yeah. true he's a good teacher as well oh very good yeah and he loves to help people at any level and uh, again just a quick plug for no limits archery and uh let them know you yep, heard about him here sure. on the show and all great great people so where do you see all this this going with supply you know uh and demand like you said man ammo you can't find rifle you know guns are getting hard to get shipped in i mean boy it's just yep. really creating a problem i think it's i think it's going to work itself out um it's not it's not going to happen quickly um you know we've been dealing with this as a as a company for over a year just like everybody else has um i think people are starting to get things figured out it's you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, a binocular is not that important of a product, and so we're we're very understanding in that there's a lot of things that are that are more important to to get out in people's hands than a binocular. But the the thing that that I think we've come to realize is this this didn't have an adverse effect on our company or an adverse effect on on the outdoor industry. I think what it's done is created some time for people to realize that that there's a ton of value in getting outside mm-hmm. so you know i think i think you see people i know i've got friends all over colorado that are seeing an influx of people wanting to get out of the big city and get to places where they can experience the outside and that's been great for our company um you know we we offer tools to make it uh, a little little bit more fun to be outside and i think the entire outdoor industry is experiencing that um, it's it's just catching up with demand and sure. the the real tough thing is the introduction of new products just because there's so much work that depends on getting pieces and parts from from all over the world and that's the thing that right now is extremely difficult. Absolutely. Well, Brendan, hey man, I appreciate it, and you guys are always welcome here, and we will do this again and more often just to try to uh, again help get the the name out there. And folks, I'm telling you, you know. You have to see the difference. So, um, boy, if you're in the Denver area, I'd be happy to meet with you just to show you uh, a scope and the binoculars I have. But I hope you will check out mavenbuilt.com. And uh, it is Maven Outdoors. And just look through all the different products. And, again, bear with them as they try to get some stock in. But, uh, yeah, I'll be interested in that range finder when you get that, too. Uh, that'd be yeah, awesome. me, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, good deal. I appreciate deal. you having me on, Scott, and hopefully we'll be able to get back down there. And when the when the shows start up, we 
we love that ISE show there in Denver and, and won't miss it. So if you you know if you if you got to hold out and wait till you get them in your hands, hopefully we'll be back and they'll they'll have that going again next year and we'll we'll see at that show. Yes, sir. Well, hey, bud, we appreciate it and we'll look forward to getting you on again soon. All right, thanks a lot, Scott. All right, thank you again. That's Brendan yep. Weaver, one of the owners of Maven Outdoors, MavenBuilt dot com. Check them out. Hey. You gotta have good quality glass out in the field, no matter what you're doing. It will enhance your uh, hunt or your your just hiking, whatever the case may be. But I'm telling you, check them out, mavenbuilt.com. Well, we want to thank our guests today. We want to thank Craig Boddington, also Sergio Alcazar from ALC Global Adventures and Maven Outdoors. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.